Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of The Small Council. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about Night's Watch. We're going to be going over some pretty interesting stuff, especially with all the leaks uh, and all the you know spoilers they've been throwing our way. Uh, that's kind of just around the corner, and I know after a lot of the Night's Watch nerfs, uh, you know, you're probably, you know, wondering what the future holds for Night's Watch. But uh, to give you kind of, you know, a rundown of the show, this is the small council. We discuss anything and everything at Ice, uh, Song of Ice and Fire by Simon. And uh, we're here every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, we do the show live, uh, but it is also recorded. So if any of you cannot make the live showing, just, you know, you can find us on iTunes, TuneIn, and uh, Blog Talk Radio. I believe Chris has uh, a couple others lined up, such as uh, Google Play, Spotify. We're just waiting on a couple things to get those in. Um, <clears throat> so we do it live just so you guys can kind of call in. So if you're listening right now, uh, there should be a call-in number. We'll probably take some guests at, towards the end of the show. You can call in and just kind of ask either our guests or uh, any of the hosts some questions, or you can just kind of give your input on everything that you've heard us talk about uh, through the course of the show. But uh, without further ado, tonight we have with us all of the hosts. we got Brett, Justin, Jose, and Chris, and myself. And then our special guest for tonight is Ron and Chris from Mythicos Studio. And we, I believe, uh, Ron won PAX, so with uh, Night's Watch if I'm not mistaken. So thank you guys for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having thanks us. For having me. Yeah, no problem. You know, any in, you know, any kind of insight and kind of, you know, diversify the, you know, the hosts here, especially when, you know, got a lot of uh, you know, experience between, you know, what the the seven of us here. So, I think it should be a pretty uh interesting uh discussion tonight. So, um First up for tonight, uh, we're going to, you know, normally I like to save the best for last, but for me, this is, we're going to just kind of start strong and go with, you know, my absolute favorite change we're going to talk about is Dior Mormont, uh, the commander, the, which one is that, the 97th, 997th? Yep. Commander. Um, and I have to say, I absolutely love the change. Um, I already played, you know, I play all the armies, but whenever I did play Night's Watch, I almost always played Gior over John, with the exception of maybe like five, six games. Um, but Gior, I liked a lot because he added, you know, the the morale uh, vows and whatnot to help with that weakness. But now that he's gotten the boost that he has, I think his potential is through the roof. I think the design team of Simon did an amazing job here to definitely even the playing field with John. I know a lot of people still are kind of in love with, you know, John Commander, but Gior is something definitely not to sneeze at. Uh, one one combo I want to throw out there before I kind of let everyone else take the floor is, you know, Gior and some Sworn Brothers, you know, not only are you a fort morale now, you throw on uh, Watcher on the Wall with uh, <clears throat> Fire that Burns Against the Cold. Or if you have tra Ranger Trackers nearby, you could just throw the swords on them instead of the fire. And now every round, you free retreat, charge back in with 
eight dice hitting with critical blow sundering with free rolls and they're vulnerable either from the fire or the trackers and uh, uh, plus two attack dice if you end up you know having the trackers nearby I think that in itself you know ex especially with some of the other things you can add to them like uh, half hand to increase the dice even further you're going to be able to just wreck units so uh going to jump on in with uh, Euron. What do you think of Gior? So I've enjoyed playing, testing him since his new rules came out. Um, I've ran him in veterans and turned him into an absolute bunker with uh, shields and fires. And the last game, I actually put him in a unit of hunters after the hunters were leaked. And using the watcher on the wall and fires, I was able to bounce between units and actually put out condition tokens where I needed them. And it makes it very hard for your opponent to pin them down because you can both retreat when they activate or you can swing and then get a free retreat. And then with their new order, you're just piling dice out and it tends to be just too much for your opponent, especially with core change that gives them the additional attack and the additional speed. Yeah, I agree. It's he's definitely you know a commander you can kind of uh, throw in <laughs> a bunch of different units, and he can be versatile in you know just just about everything. So he's definitely going to be, I think, the Night's Watch um, control commander coming up because of his uh, card that prevents tactics cards from being played. And also his morale um, card that allows you to gain the extra dice or auto pass if needed. What do you think, Brett? So I'm um, one of the Jon Snow lovers, and uh, he's definitely. Um, <laughs> you don't say. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I'm, I'm that guy. I'm terrible. Um, the changes to him definitely makes me reconsider it. Um, I'm curious to see if anything happens with the Jon Snow attachment, Lord Snow. Um, I doubt that they would drop him to two points um, because Ghost is so good. But um, if Lord Snow was to drop to two points by any chance, uh, I think I would be really inclined to take uh, Jor over Jon Snow as the commander um, for basically what you guys uh, just mentioned. It's kind of like a... Uh, uh, build your own bunker and you can kind of tailor build it to what you need in that situation. And, uh, I'm, I'm actually with Ron, uh, while your build is really effective, Dave, I, uh, I think I would probably plug him in the Ranger hunters. Um, just that ability to stick two vows on them and increase the number of dice that they can throw out is, is pretty insane. So that's where I would probably go with him, but no matter where he goes, that unit is going to become tailor built to whatever your needs are. And it's, uh, you have really infinite options with the combinations that you can make with the vows available to the army. So, I think uh, I think yeah, something I interesting. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. No, I was just saying I agree. Oh, I, I, okay, I was going to say I think something interesting with with his new change is that he he gives the plus two morale, and I think he's uh, as far as I can remember at least he's the only one that. Um, provides any way to increase morale 
So I mean, Night's Watch don't have bad morale per se, but like they had, they there's nothing that they have in their toolbox to increase it. And as of now, he's the only one to do that. So I think that's kind of like a interesting point um, to as far as like for what what one of his changes. Um, and then I think just in general with the changes, uh, his commander is his commander version is really good. Um, I I uh, I did play Night's Watch briefly for a little bit. And I always wanted to use him because I felt like he was like the underdog of the two commanders between John at the time when they first released between uh, him and John. But uh, I think I think now definitely puts him more into the the runnings of uh, a better commander. And it's funny because like his tactic card didn't change; it's just it's just his commander. But it, it just just that one small tweak to his commander version really makes a big difference. I think. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know. Coming from like a card game background, um, any card that uh, the term a lot of you know people who play like TCGs uh, know of is uh, tutor. So it's a card that searches for another card, and so the fact that Jor has a card that tutors for any vow you want and attaches it, it, it almost increases. You know. You still only have a max of two of each vow, but uh, Night Gathers almost makes it like you have four of every copy in the sense of consistency of getting it quicker. So the fact that you only have a 20-card deck, and let's say you absolutely need the swords or the shield, you essentially have four uh, of the 20, you know, so it's a one in five chance that you get the sword and the shield right away because four of your 20 cards are of any technically any vow uh, from a fresh 20 card deck so the night gathers I think is underrated in the sense that it increases the chance that you're going to get whatever vow you absolutely need uh, right when you need it um, and then you have uh, duty of the watch which is another you know card I absolutely love of his that you know, Night's Watch, like you were saying, Jose, they don't have any way to really increase the morale. I mean, you could do Brienne uh, now that she's released, but, I mean, she's kind of situational, I, I feel like. And then you could take Bronn, but then uh, you're only triggering on the turns that you have the, the wealth, which I feel like is the most popular combat, or the most popular zone now when you factor every faction, like in all their triggers. Um, so... You know, he himself or Gior's attachment, and now you know his his duty to the Watch now are just adds a ton to a Night's Watch list that has above average morale to good morale, um, but no way to properly increase it. Um, and then unwavering conviction, I think, is situational. I'm not going to lie; I think it's definitely the weakest of the cards, but it has its place. It's one of those cards that you're definitely you're going to want to wait for a key moment if it means killing a unit. I would gladly give up the vows attached to my unit if it means finishing someone off by getting, you know, the buffs for the uh, no taxes card so they can't play, you know, the North Remembers or, you know, and you're getting your highest attack value dice, especially if you already have the swords on them, half hand on them, you know, you're getting like 11 or so dice, you know, it could get pretty crazy. So I think uh, his... His or his uh, cards are definitely strong. So, uh, 
yeah, I think that kind of covers uh, Gior. But yeah, those out there that you know are looking at him, thinking he's just kind of you know pretty a lot better than he was. But I I really feel like he's a lot better than uh, than John now. But that's just a personal preference. I think uh, arguments can be can be made for either. At least if you take him. Uh, as your commander, it frees up John as an attachment, which is an amazing attachment in itself. So, um, but yeah, uh, moving on, we're going to talk about uh, watch captains. And uh, yeah, I think personally, I feel like watch captains, when you have Gior, you're not going to need watch captains in your list because Gior is already going to kind of provide that. Uh, oh, yeah, I guess we didn't even talk about Gior's. Uh, I can. I guess we kind of referenced it, but Jor has the ability to equip up to two vows, and always counts as triggering all of the spots. So, the way that is very important is the reason I uh, was mentioning the combo of fire and watcher on his unit is it frees up swords and uh, shield for your other units because now you're going to be able to trigger fire and watcher all the time on his unit while being able to save sword and shield for your other units and you're almost always going to have at least sword and or shield every round to trigger those ones um so yeah i just i wanted to touch on that before we uh kind of glanced over it but yeah back to the watch captains i feel like uh with Gior, you really don't need watch captains in your list because Gior will provide that ability to throw some of the less useful bows on his unit uh, where you're going to want watch captains, I feel like, is just your other commanders. Just no one in particular, just not Gior, because he pr- already kind of provides that. And I also wouldn't necessarily spam watch captains. You know, like two of them, I think, would be a nice number. But what do you think, uh, Ron? So I actually have one watch captain in my uh, most recent Gior list because it gives me the ability to put Again, two vows on one unit, and then at the start of any turn, I can play his order and count as owning that zone if I don't already. So it adds a lot of versatility to now not only one unit, but two units. Yeah, yeah I, I it definitely. Uh... Oh, go ahead, Brett. No, I, I tested one out, and I was just going to verify it. Uh... It's a pretty solid ability. While uh, while I didn't get to use it too terribly much in my game, um, I mean it's very similar to Jor. You're going to have two vows on there, and like Ron said, you can uh, call what you need at the start of the turn and be able to benefit from the vow that's on the unit. It's uh, while they don't control all the zones like Jor does, um, it's definitely a very very solid one point attachment. Um, and then if you if you're clever with your use of the horn, you can. Uh, go digging through your discard pile and swap those vows out and kind of tailor to the zone that you control, which is a, a trick I like to kind of play is keep the horn on a unit and then swap the shield of the realms of men on, especially if I'm playing stars, because if they play winners coming, I couldn't play the card initially. But if I have the money bags and I use the horn to swap that vow out, then I get to still block hits. So it's pretty useful. <laughs> Yeah, just think overall, like, when you look at the watch captain, the value it provides from someone who plays a lot of Night's Watch, especially against Ron, um, it's it's interesting because 
what I think it does as an opponent is it allows Night's Watch to kind of do something that they don't normally get to do is that control the tactics board. Um, usually the one thing that I find that Night's Watch can't always do is they either have to commit to one zone on the tactics board or two zones on the tactics board. They don't really get to control. They don't really need to control um, what the opponent is doing in terms of the tactics board. You get what you want to get for your vows and that's pretty much it. You have these juggernaut units, and you're able to do the things that you generally want to do with smart game sense. But what uh, or oh, was it Oath, Oath of the Black? Oath of the Black enables you to do with these one-point attachments is it enables you to kind of think two steps ahead of your opponent and allows you to put more emphasis in blocking the things that you want to block and not really have to worry about the bag if you don't need the bag, not really have to worry about the swords if you don't need the swords at this moment. So you can just use the order to grab the vow until the end of the turn for an attack, for defense, for shields, whatever it is you need to do to throw a condition token or make a free retreat, whatever. Um, So that's general value. And to me, in the game of, you know, a game of, I almost say game inches, which doesn't really apply, but like a game of one or two dice sometimes, that scares the living crap out of me. You know, it's, it's the same thing with Jorah too. Like it, both these changes give immense value to a faction that's already so elite. And uh, that's, oh man, that's good. It's a good change. I think it's, uh, <clears throat> I think it's nice to see uh, them kind of follow their trend of not just dropping points or just changing abilities, but overall changing what was essentially a very useless uh, part of the game into something that I think everyone all around enjoys what the change is. I don't even like Night's Watch, and I think it's a very valuable and nice change myself. Yeah, I'm definitely glad to see the change. Uh, Like you said, Justin, before it was kind of useless. I you know, I would try to throw it in, you know, in fun games just because I liked the concept. Um, and we even had, like, a, a little um, house rule for watch captains because of how, you know, crappy they could be, is that if you whiffed on your three-card draw at the beginning of the game, you got one mulligan to try again just because for two points, not drawing one at the beginning of the game was almost like neutering them even further. So the new change I think is amazing. And he's definitely a, uh, uh, makes you actually think about whether or not you want him or a recruiter now, because a recruiter is really good, but a watch captain, I mean, some of the combos you can pull off with multiple vows and being able to more easily uh, um, trigger them is just, you know, adds versatility to the army. So, uh, but next up, we're going to move over to talk about uh, Half Hand, um, both the attachment and the NCU. Uh, first, though, we're going to talk about the NCU, and I'm going to be the first to say that I think he is really, really strong. So, I think they added a little too much to him. Uh, the ability to influence every turn and uh, and not only give uh, plus one attack but plus one move and the ability to uh, shut off a unit is just really strong. Um, 
I don't know. It's too too soon to tell, uh, I think. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I think I think definitely he needed something though, because I feel like for for what he for four points, I didn't. Sometimes I didn't feel like he was worth it. I mean, his ability is really was really always really good. You know, shut down the unit for shut down the unit for a turn. That was uh, always a or sorry a round, but that was always a good um, ability. But I mean, you're you're sacrificing him, you know. So I don't know. I I personally. I guess I'm in the same boat. I don't. I don't. It's too early to tell if it was too much. I don't. At first glance, I don't think it was too much. I think it was just enough for what he needed. He needed because I guess he needed something. Because I, I, like on paper, he sounded awesome, but like in actuality, I don't think a lot of people were like running him. I could be wrong, but I, I didn't run into a bunch of them. Um, so I don't know. What did you guys, in your experience, did a lot of people run uh, Corin or what happened? What do you guys think? I think there were a few people that would run him every now and again as maybe a, an emergency third MCU, but generally, competitively speaking, I don't think he was really very common at all. Yeah, to be honest with you, I never ran him in his old uh, version. I ran him for the first time this past Sunday with his newer version. Um, he looks over the top, but you have to remember that the round he's going to blank a unit or an MCU, he couldn't have activated, so you're losing him right from then on. So right. you might get, let's say, one to three, maybe a fourth turn out of his influence, and then you're going to sack him. And he's, I mean, you basically paid four points that you're handing your opponent that you're removing from your own board. So I know it looks like a lot, but at the same time, it's going to cost the player that's taking him a lot in order to use that ability. I just want to be very clear think, for the people listening. Um, he he. In order to use his sacrificial ability, you cannot have put him on the influence board that round. So if you activate him and then something comes up later and you need to use him, you can't use him. So they did put a little bit of a safeguard in there for the the ability to shut that unit down. Because yeah, if you if you activated him earlier in the round and put him on the board, you can't sacrifice him that round. But so here's my thinking behind it is I feel like in average hands, you know, it, it'll it definitely be a decent trade-off. But I think in very skilled uh, hands, uh, think about like a tournament where you're it's a really good player against a really good player. You're down to turn five, and this is the last round. No more time for another round. You, you finish it out, and you're done. And you go, okay, I will gladly give up a four-point NCU to now shut down your uh, 11-point mountain that rides in Castle Rock. Well, this is assuming, you know, I just kind of first unit off the top of my head, but just any, imagine any like 10-plus point unit, uh, you know, crazy strong unit out there, and you, you know, even though you don't get to activate yours for that round, it's the last round. You're killing him, but their Death Star unit that you now shut down is essentially out of the game as well because the way they changed the wording, you can't even perform actions with them, not even just activate. You can't do anything with them. So you traded four points for their ten points, which uh, if you're influencing four rounds, or let's say three rounds because first round, well, I guess first round would still matter because the plus one move, but like in a John list, uh, and, or let's say a Jor list, 
and you get uh, um, the Watcher on the Wall on them and the swords, and then you influence him onto them, like, the movement and the attack power is super strong for three rounds. And then, you know, last round, key key things are about to happen, and you just pop him. Their big thing can't do anything, can't, you know, can't perform any action. So think of Baratheons. Think if they had a stag, uh, not that it's, you know, like super effective, but a stagnite unit with a, uh, a stagnite noble. You're looking at 10 points there. And they can't even use any of their tactics cards to attack back because those are actions. So I don't know. I feel like this influence itself is worth four points. The sacrifice on top of it is what kind of puts it over the top. And it's one of those, you save it for the very last round for a very key moment to shut off something very expensive. And I mean, that's that, where I think, yeah. go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I, 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 I like, that's exactly what he was before though. I mean, you know, there's no, there's no difference in that. I mean, like, Anyone could have done that before the change, even. No, not, um, not necessarily, because well, no. before they could still take tactics boards to do things. Now they can't do any actions whatsoever. Oh, interesting. I missed that then. Well, that and he didn't yeah, have but a new force before either. No, that that I know he didn't have the inf- like the influence ability, but like I from I I could like I said I guess I was wrong, but I thought it was the same. As it was before, did they just add the influence? Well, that's what I'm saying. I feel like the influence itself is really good. Plus one attack dice and plus one move. I think that's easily worth four points. I'm not saying it's like the best four points in the world, but I think it's a fair four points. But that included with the sacrifice, I think, is really, really strong. And in my opinion, like competitively, uh, he would be an excuse me an auto include for the game uh, breaking potential of last turn that thing can't do anything especially because a lot of players I've noticed this is just uh, we'll go over more in a different episode about like you know going first and going second but personally I love going first because on average uh, most games only go five rounds before victory is usually triggered um, and so if you go first. I know a lot of people like going second. Um, that gives me three rounds of going first. And on the second round, if you charge me, it gives me the ability to take the combat zone turn two, turn three, and uh, turn uh, yeah, two, turn two and three back to back. Um, but anyways, with that saying, though, if you do that, that means you have turn five. If turn five is more than likely the last turn, you core in half hand, sacrifice, uh, right away at the start of your very first turn, make it so their unit can't attack and you just go to town. So, but I don't know. We'll see. This is all speculation. Um, I don't think he's going to be like so game breaking that it's going to ruin the game. I think he's just going to be very, very strong and an auto include for competitive play. That's just that's my guess. We'll see kinda, you know, how it plays out. Um but uh yeah, under sure. his attachment though. Under his attachment, uh simply he just got reduced a point. And I think it's uh he went from a uh an okay three point 
uh, attachment to a very strong two-point attachment. Not overpowered, uh, but they just kind of simply made them a lot more, uh, uh, what's the word, uh, desirable. What do you think, Ron? I know you're a little short on time. I would agree. I don't feel near as guilty paying two points for him. Um, at three points, there was never any game I wasn't going to take John over him. And then soaking six points into two attachments was just too much for me in the past. But, you know, the possibility of playing Jor and, you know, adding Corrin's uh, attachment to a unit of, say, veterans or something like that, you're going to get a lot out of his dealing wounds through passing morale tests. You're going to get a lot out of going down fighting. So I can see him making a lot more lists than he was, especially just dropping by one point. Well, you just mix go down fighting with Amon's ability to zombify a unit. It's going to be pretty frustrating. Um, they knock you down to your last rank. They took, you know, two D3 wounds in the process, and then Amon just stitches them right back up to three ranks, and it's almost a liability to attack that unit. Oh, absolutely. I feel like the only thing that makes him not as desirable is the fact that if you take him, you're not thinking about his NCU we were just talking about. Um, I think that's like one of the biggest downsides. They've made both his attachment and his NCU really good, but you can't take both. And that is a great point. I think I think the interesting thing about the, the the attachment change is that I'm always looking for ways to provide value value no matter like what faction I'm playing. And now that he's down the two points with both his order and go down fighting, to me an interesting unit to put him in would be a unit of Stormcrow Mercs. You make him one point, you get stubborn tenacity, which is gonna be tougher to trigger, of course, compared to a lot of other units in the faction, but um the go down fighting is one of the best abilities in the game when it's used with anything that enables you to heal back up, right? So obviously Aemon is there. Um, I've gotten a lot of use out of using Rickon and Osha in Stormcrow Mercs for value. Um, and to me, it's like one of the most brutal five points of value in the game. Um, and this is very close behind at six points. You're going to get go down fighting. You get Aemon, uh, which is going to be in a lot of lists. And you also get stubborn tenacity, which will trigger. Um, so you're you're essentially putting out value in terms of wounds, and uh, it's just something that when I saw that 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 change, I was like, that's the first thing that popped in my head because you always kind of need if if you're the kind of night watch player that's looking for five activations, sometimes you can squeeze in uh, a nice value unit. A lot of times it's going to be conscripts now with the change, but something to look at. That's all I'm saying. I would, I would, I would agree with you. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying you got a great point with that. It was just going to be a fight between conscripts getting him possibly, although you're going to have a hard time uh, triggering stubborn tenacity, but the re-heals and everything with going down fighting, you know, that could catch up to your opponent. The interesting thing is if you manage to block all the hits, you automatically trigger stubborn tenacity. So that's just something to keep in mind with that combo. If a dog makes its way behind you and you 
throw down shield to the realms of men and block both hits, you've got a really good chance to just kill the dog with that order. <laughs> yep. Unless it's ghosted, and then you, uh, unless it's ghosted, then you have it on that end twice. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I would ever attack something with go down fighting with a dog. I don't think it's worth the risk. <laughs> that seems like a pretty ter- Hey, you want a victory point? Let me let me just give you one. That's true. Thanks thanks for being reasonable, Justin. I appreciate that. <laughs> that's what I'm that's what I'm here for. Even though I like to see so. dead dogs. <laughs> so we're going to move on to the last of uh, the the rumored uh, or the, the changes. This one, uh, just to be clear for everyone listening, this was uh, leaked on Michael Chanel's podcast. So there's nothing, I guess, officially official as far as like images or on their official website. But uh, this is just something that he put at the very end of his podcast, uh, which is the change to Ranger Hunters. Uh, I believe uh, all the stats and the points are the same, at least if they're not. Uh, he didn't say anything about whether or not they're changing. The only thing that I believe changed is they lost Opportunist, but they gained uh, Swift Strike and uh, Quick. What was the other they one? already had Swift Strike. They gained Quick Fire. They already had Swift Strike. They gained quick fire. Oh, okay. Yeah. Kranigman, uh, order. Yep. So now, uh, the simple way to put it is they're kind of like the opposite of Bastard Scrolls. Uh, instead of shooting, triggering your order, and charging, it's now after your charge, you can get your free retreat, and then the free retreat will trigger your ability to then get a free shot. So, um, you know, I think they both have their strengths if you're comparing the two. Uh, best girls allow you to kind of close the, the gap and kind of get in there, whereas you kind of do hit-and-run tactics with your hunters. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a good change um, to the unit. I think, uh, I think um, they were always something that I really wanted to like, and on paper, they were great. And every time I used them, they just got crushed. So, um, but I think, you know, if I if I did have the army still, this would be something to entice me to try them again. So I think it's a good change. Um, I think that, uh, you know, with enough practice or skill or whatever, I think someone could be, it could be a really devastating unit, of, um, you know, competitively. So I, I like the change to them. I'm pretty worried about the change personally, but uh, not I guess not worried. They're still an eight-point unit, which I have to remember. But there's so many things you can do to increase their damage by a lot. For instance, just uh, just the influence from half-hand. That's not one dice. That's two dice that they're getting, uh, which is significantly better. Aren't they a six movement, so they go up to a seven movement? So they're at least running eight inches away, which obviously you want to stay. No, eight inches is fine because you could shift. It doesn't matter. Six inches for the shoot. Uh, but it's, what, 16 attacks with just him on a vanilla unit. Uh, if you got trackers nearby for that vulnerable, there's there's not too many. Any Anything with a four-up save or worse is probably going to die. Uh, but then again, it's still an eight-point unit, so I guess it's not, not crazy unreasonable. I just can't wait to kill some of these things with my free folk. I don't think that's going to happen. 
<laughs> you haven't seen my free folk. Yes, I have. Shut up. You'll see them tomorrow, though. <laughs> Wait, just, think, just uh, to Chris. your point. To my point. Oh, sorry. Uh, Justin, to your point, I was going to say that, yeah, I mean, they're, they're an eight-point unit, and uh, I think that something with Night's Watch players, I mean, they're usually going to be out-activated. It's one of their uh, weaknesses, I think. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be one of their four, on a, like, on average, I guess, one of their four units. So, And it's a fragile unit. So, Fragile. I don't know. I think it's fragile. I think they're fragile. It's, it's, on the, it's on the fragile end of the spectrum, but they've got good morale yeah. and a five-up save. But yeah, there's there's quite a lot in the game that's going to be able to take them out. Yeah. I I yeah, think. Yeah, I, I I, oops, sorry. Go, no, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I I think one of the um this is this is something I've been thinking about ever since I heard I listened to that podcast and I heard Michael talk about that and. I am worried about this unit a little bit just because the reliability of them hitting um, is good on threes. So it's it's going to be interesting to see the way it plays out. They are expensive, just like many Night's Watch units. But the thing I think that people are forgetting about that, that worries me as Night Watch of a whole, now that these guys are going to be extremely playable, is that Night's Watch has access to three units now that hit on threes and are ranged. Now, trackers are short range, but they're also cavalry, so they can get into short range and out of short range very easily. That is very tough for a lot of factions to deal with. If you have a list that's running, and Ron's going to laugh because I I see it almost every day. (laughs) If If Ron is running awful and he decides to run trackers, hunters, and throws a unit of crossbow men in there, not only do you have a firing line that is brutal, but it really, really bogs you down no matter how many activations you have on your side, which is generally going to be, you know, four to six, depending on what you're playing, unless you're free folk, obviously. It is yeah. tough to get in there. It's tough to get in there, and it's tough to maneuver around these units because the amount of tricks you have, especially with Watcher on the wall to kind of move back, shoot, uh, it's it's really, I mean, it's it's brutal to play against, and they, they by far have the most range units with the highest percentage to hit uh, in the game right now, and that's that's scary. The amount Technically, of dice, if you uh, do Bastards Girls, it's four three-ups. <laughs> <laughs> and ten, two on, units Chris, that can attack. That against you. <laughs> I watched it, though. I, re- I ran it against Brian. You can't be that upset about seeing that. Oh, yes, there's nothing better than charging in with, you know, hunters playing one of Oslo's cards, whether it's personally, I would go for the precision one and then go right into the retreat onto the flank and shoot them with vicious so that they're now at minus three. And hopefully you're just stacking up panic on top of the 16, you know, 14 to 16 attacks, depending if you have Oslo on them. And, yeah, they're just going to be gross, especially if you're playing uh, Fire and Blood and your opponent marks them to give them the extra two. They're just going to – I would we come up with Chris? You could throw out 40 attacks in one round. It's just an unreal amount of attacks. It's just 
Yeah, it's it doesn't even make sense. <laughs> That's a mistake. They'll make that mistake one time. Not yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, you could also. Think, uh, um, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, another thing that I think Brett had mentioned to me earlier, which makes total sense, Stormcrow or Stormcrow lieutenants in any of these range units or any units that don't have Sundering. Sundering is such a crazy good ability that one point for plus one dice in Sundering is pretty nasty, uh, especially yep. if you have those hunters Sundering and they have, what? what is that, 16 dice with Sundering? No big deal. Whatever. 18 <laughs> with, uh, 18 with, with buff. Hand. 20 yeah. stored in the dark. No big deal, man. It's pretty, see, pretty standard. To see, I'm thinking. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm thinking you, uh, what you do is you run them with Jon Snow and you have ghosts nearby. You get the swords on them. You get half hand on them. Then you're playing awful as your commander. And then you charge in. Now you're getting, what, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 dice. Hitting on threes, you play, or you're getting rerolls because you're charging, and you play, uh, I don't know, precision for the sundering or you know critical blow. I mean, but then you won't be able to reroll dice. So we'll just say the sundering for precision enhancements. You you could bond ghost first. Ghost goes in, no taxes cards, uh, does some damage. You do that. You move out. You then shoot. Granted, you're not going to get. Uh, a lot of the bonuses for the shooting effect, but by that time, I mean all so all the damage dead. they've already taken. Yeah, and now you don't even now need you panic throw test. on. Yeah, and now you throw on this uh, uh, serrated enhancement for the vicious, and and then if somehow miracle they're still alive and they fail that panic and become weakened, and now they're hitting it with like four dice that with weakened. I mean. Uh, the combo potential is amazing Ain't nothing with surviving these guys that. now. <laughs> they, Except for me. They I just see your I always survive that stuff. <laughs> what was that, Brett? I said they see your Dothraki veterans and they raise you ranger hunters. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> For two points. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boy, ah, it's going to be a bad day in hell. <laughs> I guess with just a, John, it's uh, one point more. <laughs> yeah, just throw Braun on. Then you got ten. There you go. Boom. Yeah. What ifs? <laughs> Seven oh, movement, and the movement. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the morale in case they were, you know, on the end of squishy that we didn't like. Now they're not so much. Yeah. Yep. But, uh, or if you want to be a little more thematic, you could throw Bran because, you know, they, they are called hunters and you're you're uh, basically marking one unit, and that's the unit they're hunting. Oh, and you don't need to have... hit on twos. <laughs> oh, but you do. Because <laughs> then now the morale is a four up. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, in all, great potential for these guys, possibly overpowered. I don't want to throw that out just yet. I think there it would take a lot of... Uh, um, like perfect, I wouldn't necessarily say perfect situations, but certain situations to like get a lot of the stuff that we're talking about. Like you, you would have to have certain stars align, not all of them, but 
you know, if you're if you're watching, you know, if you're playing against this combo, just be ready for it, and it's, it'll be a lot less likely that it's going to happen to you. Not that it will never happen to you, but you could definitely mitigate uh, the potential of these guys if you're watching for it. But uh, we're going to move on, and next on our list, we're going to kind of go over commanders outside of Jon Snow. So, uh, sure, you you know, many of you have still seen that even with the amazing options they still have, Jon Snow is still kind of dominating the scene. You know, you still see him, like, especially in a two-list format, you almost always see him as one of the two lists still. Um, and a lot of times I see you know, nice watch players with two lists and the other list is just a dummy list and they run the Jon Snow list anyways every single game. Um, but I truly believe that Night's Watch have a lot of great commanders and now it's Gior Mormont. Uh, in my opinion, I, he's the best Night's Watch commander right now. That's probably just some, you know, some uh, biased on my part, but Dave's definitely biased there. He loves him. Good, uh, there's definitely a lot of good options um, right now. And, uh, but yeah, we're going to kind of go over some of the other options. So what do you guys think? Uh, we'll go with uh, Jose first. Uh, I mean, one of my favorite uh, commanders outside of Jon Snow has always been Alistair. I think uh, I think he's a, just in general a cool character, like just thematically, but um, – and then I think his cards his cards are always tons of fun. Um, my favorite card of his is uh, Ruthless Approach. Uh, that one was always fun. I mean, um, kind of it takes a lot of uh, what do you call it like uh, like planning ahead to pull off the card. Um, but I mean, even if it doesn't go 100% how you planned it, and any of those negatives to your opponent is going to be just a huge hindrance. So like the, you know nine times out of ten. So. I that was something that I loved when I was using him, and um, and then I just I think his uh, commander um, his commander attachment is great too. Uh, I think it's cool. He's I think I, I think he, I could be wrong, but I think he's one of the only commanders that could be that really works in uh, ranged or close combat units. So I thought that was kind of fun to do. Um, I think he he's really good to just boost those ranged units um, that the Night's Watch has. And kind of just really um, help define that elite feel to the army. So he's always been up there for me. So I know I've always been in the minority in the uh, Night's Watch camps because I don't run Jon Snow as a commander. Um, My pairing since the Heroes Box dropped has always been Awful and Alistair. Um, I've started recently kind of falling out of love with Alistair a little bit because I can never get pathetic attempt to trigger but the ability to throw out debuffs on a unit that just activated and him in a unit of crossbows has absolutely murdered you know my opponent which was always a unit I enjoyed putting them in um, as far as what I think you're going to start seeing at um, Adepticon coming up I wouldn't be surprised if you see a ton of Jor and it's going to be a toss up you know between Awful, I think, and Jon Snow. Because I think players are going to be looking for that third NCU and playing Awful with in order to get the free one and then only have to pay for two. Well, 
Well, I'm going to be bringing Jon Snow to Adepticon, so what? spoiler. Uh, no, you're not. Unless my work. Unless my worst fears are realized and they, they do something horrible to the commander version. You never know. He might get a nerf. But, uh, no, and then he'll have how many vets do you think we're going to see? Like 18 uh, in one army? I have a lot. Seven vets? I, and, bought, uh, yeah. I bought my third box, so there might be some vets. Oh, on the here table. we go. Here it goes. <laughs> you disgust Prepare yourself. Having said that, what did you say? Nothing. So I just said for oh no, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, yes, I bought them for the escalation event. That was a good pointer. But uh, I think I think when I first started playing Night's Watch, I was really trying to avoid Jon Snow because he was oh. my meta with Gary for so long. Like that's all Gary ran and he took them to last year's Adepticon and had really great success. So I didn't want to kinda do what he did. So I ran Yarwick for a while. I love Yarwick. Yarwick is badass. Um, you can't go wrong with him. I actually ran Donald Noy for a while. I like Donald he, Noy. He's a very good commander. Uh, I think is he left on a little bit. Uh, Bulwark Formation is a really, really nice card to kind of say fuck off to Tully Cav. Now, I know they're pretty popular around here, but... Um, I think you'll see them at Adepticon, but the plus one to the defensive save, no rear bonus, no charge bonus, like, hey, bring it on in. And uh, if you manage to get bulwark formation and uh, defensive counter off, they're pretty much going to be dropping their lances and just trying to slap you. So, it's And if it's not, on uh, vets, then you're doing damage back? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because yeah, they can't attack, but they can counterattack, yeah. Mm-hmm. So... I, I ran the card, and it was really nice because you can, if you've got it in your hand, it's the start of the round card, so you can pretty much be reckless and just kind of like throw that unit of veterans right into the center on the objective, and even though they're surrounded on three sides, you know, they don't really care. No flank bonus, no no rear, no charge, so the only way they're going to modify their armor past two is if they have Sundering, and if they don't and then have it's Sundering... Still three. Yeah, and then otherwise it's going to be a two. So it's pretty insane. And Hold the Line is actually a pretty solid card as well. Um, obviously, I love Slademan, so I ran them uh, with Noi as well. Uh, giving Slademan Hold the Line is pretty nasty. Uh, ten attack guys hitting on twos, critical blows, vicious. Um, Sworn Brothers, the same situation. Anytime you can make a unit like that hit on twos is pretty solid. And then plus the two attack dice. Mix in a little sword in the darkness, and you know, uh, you can start to really chuck some dice that are hitting on twos, and it can get pretty nasty. Uh, so, he's going to be kind of my dark horse as a guy that I think is being slept on a little bit. Oh, plus, his commander attachment is pretty decent, too. Uh, if you have the money bag, which Night's Watch players generally play for anyway, rolls of six block two hits, and they get plus one to hit with their weapons. So, and that's not an order, so you can combine. Not that you would ever need ones to hit, but you could technically get plus one to hit from that and plus one to hit from hold line. So I guess if you had, like, uh, Howland Reed on you, you could effectively negate his influence. So pretty solid. I think he's good. That's good to hear because I like Donald Noy a lot, and I wish I saw him on the table more. Yeah, I was running him for a while. Um, the only issue that I really had running him that kind of shied me away is I run that low activation elite list. And once the guys in Indy kind of figured out how to play around Noi, 
um, they could pretty well predict where I was wanting to play defensive counter, and you can only play that card if the unit hasn't activated. Uh, if it wasn't for that stipulation, uh, he would be absolutely my go-to commander. That's just, that's my one hiccup with him, is that they can't activate in order to use defensive counter. Outside of that, I think he's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I guess defensive counter is probably best when you're, like, holding an objective or something in the middle. Or, or you know, that's probably where you're going to see that card shine the most, where you really don't need to – like, you can get by without activating. But, yeah, that's always that, – that, I agree. That's always the tough part about him is, like, deciding whether or not, like, giving up the activation is worth holding that position you're in. And the only time it's going to be worth it is if, you know, it's going to be on an objective and you know for sure that there's a good chance that you're going to survive. What do you think, uh, Chris? Well, I've never played against the guy yet, but I'm definitely looking forward to killing with my free folk. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. uh, I thought I read somewhere in the books that uh, free folk and Night's Watch, they get along very well. Well, that comes later on in the books. No, I thought like always, like they've never fought each other ever. Oh, that's true. <laughs> they have Thanksgiving with each other. David wouldn't know. He didn't know how to read. Yeah, I tried, and then I realized that the book wasn't open, and then yeah, I gave up. So well. Yeah. <laughs> what about uh, what about other you, Chris? Uh, yeah. Um, just in general, like what else you think I'm going to see in the night with the changes? Yeah, I guess from the perspective of like facing Night's Watch, like what you think yeah. you'll see, and maybe like what uh, you don't want to see. Uh, I, the faction in general. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to ever play Night's Watch. I'm so tired of playing Night's Watch, and you know, uh, listen, these these. I'll say this: the the changes that are coming are good for the game. Um, they're making. I, I love Simon's approach in that they're going to try to make every unit that they make viable to put on the table in a competitive sense, which is awesome. The only thing I worry about with with Night's Watch going forward um, is that I think uh, everything is becoming playable, and in an elite army. That is terrifying, man. The amount of combinations, the amount of value that they're getting, which is the point, right? It's the faction breakdown. Um, is it's scary. I don't know what to play. Like it, it's these these changes have literally made me question what to bring to the table competitively for the next couple tournaments I'm going to. Like at this point, I'm really just like I don't know if we have any old school like starcraft people in here but like i'm I'm ready to just roll a dice before i go to a tournament and play random like i i don't know what i want to play it, it it's it, it's scary i mean everything's good uh there's not a lot of options that aren't good and you're just going to see a lot of variety um at a nice watch which is it, it's scary well they say variety is the spice of life right <laughs> yeah, I oh, have played lately, but you know. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't know. I I think I think uh you're right. Uh you know, um Ron that 
you're pretty much going to see, you know, some people on the Gior, like, bandwagon, and then you're going to still see, like, the people that are super comfortable with John, and then you're going to see the people who want that third NCU option um, uh, for Awful. I think those will definitely be the top three that you'll see. Um, and I can't blame a lot of people. Uh, you know, John is a very uh, safe commander. He heals so much, and he's very forgiving that it's, you know, you know, and you're getting the free uh, wolf for the free activation, you know, in a list or in a, a faction that it now actually kind of keeps true to its name of elite now that, you know, they're uh, – and that uh, Sworn Brothers got, you know, bumped up, and they only have one three-point NCU. So mm-hmm. I think John getting that free activation, and then Othel, what was that? Nothing. <laughs> oh, you're referring to neutrals and how they don't have <laughs> any? <laughs> yeah. They'll get one eventually. I think. No, they will not. Neutral is really good, but. guys. <laughs> Trust me. So. But uh, I think we can go on to our next topic now, uh, which is, um, let's uh, what's the next one, Brett? Uh, uh, how to how have you take what, us what away with that one? To do I, I think um, I think we can touch on uh, since we've. Scared the uh, since we scared everybody a little bit with how good they are. I think we can kind of go <laughs> right into how to hard counter them. And I can say personally, from my experience, um, Starks give me fits, uh, particularly Starks with uh, Roderick Castle. Uh, basically, having four Winter is coming is problematic <laughs> for me triggering counter attack. Me having that window to get the cycle of Shield of the Realms of Men started. And with Jon Snow's uh, order, uh, I can't trigger that if they play Winter's Coming. So they give me problems, and Roderick Cassell, or Castle, however you say his name, essentially has uh, four of those cards at his disposal because uh, I believe it's Combat Prowess stops you from playing cards. So um, they give me fits, and I mean, generally anything that ignores armor or defensive saves would give me fits. So units like Pyromancers and... uh, and actually, suddenly, Night's Watch are susceptible to panic damage. So, I guess basically things that do wounds or otherwise ignore defensive saves give me a lot of problems. So, um, I think if you kind of um, call them out a little bit and just go at them and, and start punching them in the face, making them take panic tests, uh, no matter what faction you are, it might not seem ideal, but particularly if Snow has popped his order and Amon has already been used, uh, take the crown and make him take a panic test. I know that it's a minus one and veterans have morale five and it's not super likely, but uh, a risk like that can really pay off. If, you, if you're able to peel four veterans off, uh, you can start to really um, do some damage to them. So I guess generally what I'm saying is if I get rushed, like you, you just come at me and immediately just punch me right in the mouth, that's when I struggle. Um, if you let me if you kind of keep your distance because you're afraid and you don't want to get bogged down and you let me start to fan out my rangers where I want them to be and I, I can start to put my flayed men in a position and I can kind of put John in the center as this like area denial because people are afraid to go at him, then you're playing my game and 
that's when I can shine. So I'm telling you how to beat me for some reason, but uh, <laughs> I think it's true for a lot of Nightwatch players. If you if you just come at them and you punch them right in the mouth and you start to peel some of their ranks, uh, I think it kind of catches them off guard a little bit, and uh, you might tilt them, uh, especially if you're able to focus fire and bring down a unit of veterans right away. So. Yeah, uh, I panic think is a, I, panic is a good way to do it. I, yeah, panic panic is nice against Night's Watch right now. I think I think the biggest thing for any um, for any start and free folk player is probably uh, when you're facing Night's Watch like I do. You look at the composition of the army and try to like if you're playing like a Brett, you're going to get a lot of more defensive kind of uh, seventeen vets. You know, you got John, you got Damon. <laughs> Now, when I'm playing Ron at Mythicos, he tends to have shoot-heavy lists. So I'm not necessarily going to rush him. I'm going to be more patient, see what he's doing, try to react, try to play his game better than he is, just because if I go in there and rush my units up, he's going to slowly and maniacally pick them apart one by one by one. So I think it's really about getting a good sense of what lists are being used in your meta, um, what you have available. I think, like, as a Stark player, I've been working on lists that in, involve um, not relying on Sansa as much to get Arya and then to get Serial on the table. I know a lot of people are looking at me probably, like, you know, with crossed eyes, like, well, how could you leave Sansa off the table? Sansa is a crutch to me a lot of the times. She's infinitely great. I understand that. But when you get Arya on the table, you can get Serial on the table. When you get Serial on the table, you can get Daria on the table. And at 14 points, of uh, crit blow precision blow ups is really really good against Night's Watch and it can really really hurt them. Um, I've been working on a Howlin list for probably the better part of three months um, that runs uh, Dario Swords, Serio Swords, Flayed Men, Tully Cav, and Stormcrows with Rickon and Osha, and then uh, Howland and Arya. And it's basically just a list that just to, you're going to use Sundering, you're going to use Crypt Low, and you're just going to blow up units before they have any chance to do anything. And that's really been my counter. Um, I think Neutral also has some great options. Um, Walder Roos shutdown lists are a really great option because you're enabling uh, yourself to A, play with Panic, which is a big thing that hurts right now, and uh, – B, you have so much shutdown and the uh, the ability to recycle shutdown through some of the tactics decks. Um, uh, stuff. Sorry, I was just reading the chat. <laughs> uh, so some of the tactics deck stuff. Uh, <laughs> oh, I know. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's the Walderus shutdown list are, are probably my second favorite list of anything I've been playing recently, but. Um, so yeah, yeah, those are those are a few of my options. Um, there's other stuff, obviously. I don't play as much Baratheon, Targaryen, uh, and Lannister right now. Uh, Tyrion's really nice option as well. Uh, Tywin uh, weakened lists are pretty nice as well. But there's 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 options out there. It's not the end of the world, but you know it's definitely an uphill battle. Uh, I was gonna well totally agree with you on um, how to handle Night's Watch as a neutrals player is definitely with. Honestly, I would go Roos with Walder specifically. Uh, I tried mm-hmm. when he first came out. I tried Walder uh, pretty generically in like a lot of lists, and I found that he was 
not nearly as effective even when combined with Roost, where you essentially have six shutdown cards throughout the game, which is pretty nuts. Uh, he's not very good against high activation lists, so against a list like Brett's, he is phenomenal. Even like Flademan, even though they still have eight attacks, that's all they get. And Flademan's strengths come from the panic test or the panic token, their crit, their vicious. Take that away and their their damage is significantly decreased. Along with vets, uh, I mean, they still got good attacks, but without counter strikes and you don't have to worry about John healing when he passes a stupid test, which, you know, because it's so hard to make him fail, Brett. <laughs> hey, it happens. No, it doesn't. Um yeah, that's that's kind of like what my go-to would be against a list like Brett's, absolutely. Uh, I normally play Ramsey a lot. I I wish I liked Roos as a commander better, because I like his character a lot more, but I think Ramsey's cards are just nutso, and he's so ridiculously powerful that he's got four cards that can more or less kind of one-shot people when they don't want it to happen. Um, but Roos, just shutting down with the D3 extra wounds, any kind of unit is incredibly valuable and Walder right there alongside to back him up. And then I wanted to mention one more thing, Brett, you said someone needs to come up, run up and punch you in the face quickly. Remember when we did that in a team tournament with Gregor Clegane and then he exploded and did nothing. I do remember that. Uh, yeah, that didn't work out at all. We, we literally yoloed him <laughs> up uh, into a unit of sworn brothers. And I did like six moves. That exact, yeah. We were like, you know what? Yeah, but in fairness, I brought this terrible Lannister list, and, and you I had, like, Cutthroat Stan, and then, <laughs> and then Gary lines up across from us with uh, Mounted Gregor, Jon Snow veterans, and, like, this elite Lannister and Night's Watch combo, so we were like, eh, let's just do it. But no, going up and punching Jon Snow in the mouth did not work. Not, not even not, a little bit. Full health not, at the end of not, it. Not even kind of. <laughs> Uh, he just did everything back up that we did and then killed Gregor. So that was interesting. Uh, bad times. No, it was it was good times. It was fun. I agree. We, uh, we literally can. killed Gregor uh, by making him fail a... A panic test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Had a double one. <laughs> that, was the, that was the highlight of part one of That was the... <laughs> yeah, we got in trouble for that one. <laughs> Yeah, I was what about you? What going back to uh yeah, going back to like how to fight the Night's Watch, I was gonna say that uh I uh as a Baratheon player or I guess just when I play Night's Watch in general, um I really rely on um just having more activations in them and uh kind of playing the more reactive game because because I can because I they have more activations in them. And uh also um Going on the, on the board, I like to take the money bag and swords away from them. Um, it just makes it just makes fighting them a whole lot easier. Um, you know, as a Brathian player, when you have um, Alistair Florence, uh, you're able to switch around and, and do things and, you know, block certain spots on the board, and it helps, um, you know, it helps to, to fight them, you know, cutting off some of their healing, Um you know, because I, I think in most of us I see Anon's kind of a staple. So, you know, potentially healing six wounds to a unit is huge, and it could really um, just throw a kink in all your plans. So cutting that off early um, is always something that I try to do. And then, um, like I said, just, like, playing the reactive game, um, trying to just outmaneuver and 
grab the objectives first, I guess, because uh, most Again, there's always the exception, right? I mean, I, I, there's some Night's Watch players that run five units, but most have four. And if you want to count Ghost, I guess five. But, you know, Ghost is Ghost. <laughs> it's a dog. It's going to die relatively soon uh, early on in the game. But, you know, if, if you have more more activations, you're t- typically going to cover more ground. You hold more objectives in them. Uh, most of the time, you know, a four-unit four, uh, list of Night's Watch will kind of uh, – I don't want to say turtle, but like, you know, kind of just stick to one side of the board and then focus on two. Uh, if, it's, if it's, for example, if there's three objectives, they'll focus on two in the middle and one, either to the left or to the right. Uh, things like that. And then it just kind of, those are the ways that I like to get around them. So, in a nutshell, basically, um, out activating, covering more ground in the field, and then um, trying to block off the swords and uh, and money. I think those are, those are the ways I generally try to fight them. Uh, in most, just any list, really. I mean, regardless of the, the faction itself. Well, as far as my lovely free folk go, as we talked about last episode, I'm a big fan of the followers of Bone and Rattle Shirt. So I intend to take a lot of them and very regularly sprinkle on some raiders. And now that these nice new Giants update has come out. Maybe a couple of those. And I'm very much a go in and just smash people's face in. So, like Brett said, I intend to run my guys straight up there and just start punching people in the mouth. I like how with a free folk list, he can literally say all these things and it makes sense. A uh, bunch of bone boys, a couple raiders here, maybe a couple Giants, and somehow that all fits on the 40-point list. <laughs> oh. Which makes it does. And it does. <laughs> I'm over here like, can I get a halfway through through his list. <laughs> Actually, I think that is my list that I'm using tomorrow anyway. So don't forget uh, it's 14 NCU's. Surprise. All costing three points. Yep. <laughs> yes, every last one of them. I just yep, thought that was a remark. That, that's one of the that's one of the things they haven't released yet. Man sends you three points. Yeah. Sign me up. I'll take them too. I get so sad when like a three or a four movement NCU gets or uh unit gets influenced by man. So I'm like, really? Like, come on. I'm not getting there already. Now I'm only going six inches. Thanks, guys. Actually they're gonna add a point to all the neutral NCUs just for you. Six points. <laughs> yeah. Surprise. So I think the biggest thing you're still going to see at Adepticon is still going to be John. Uh, you're going to see, you know, Jor and Awful, but I still believe you're going to see John more than if you're to, you know, take all the lists, all the players, you're going to see John more than any of them. Uh, one thing to keep in mind if you're facing a John list or if you're, you know, especially if you see John, you know, their list with John, you know, obviously he's probably going to be in vets and it's going to be a mission where, you know, commander is going to get you two points. They're almost going to guarantee take that list so they can just plop them on an objective, score two points every round. One very important thing to note is that most of all of, uh, between Night's Watch and John and all the cards and all that requires them to pass them around. If you are playing neutrals, you're playing Lannisters, uh, you know, vicious now, the fact that they only have to fail by one point 
means a lot because before, you know, oh, I failed by one. I took one guy. You know, yes, I couldn't heal, but I only took, you know, one guy. Now you're looking at two to four guys for a failed panic and no healing and no good way to increase it unless you're Geor. Unless you're running him as the commander to give that plus two and have the duty to the watch. Um, I mean, most lists aren't going to have Brienne or Bronn. So you see a John list, and you have like an all-vicious type uh, Lannister or neutral list, and you're gonna, you know, you're gonna have a fairly, you know, decent shot at just, you know, taking them out. Now that's not to say it's gonna be, you know, an easy battle, but you know, you're gonna see the failed panics and the no healing, you know, stack up quite a bit. Uh, and whether or not your uh, tournament allows it, you know, just throw those corpse piles out there. Don't make it easy on, on their panic. Even if you feel like the corpse pile might hurt you more than them, you know, just uh, keep in mind that it's probably going to hurt them more because they have more reason to want to pass those panic tests. But, uh, yeah, um, other than that, I think, uh, I mean, Targaryens, um, I think they're still kind of really brand new to kind of know what they're going to do against Night's Watch. Uh, they only have a couple units. Um, so I would say maybe, you know, if you're worried about Night's Watch and you're Targaryen, you're probably going to want to run one list with two Flatenmen and then, you know, fill in the rest with Screamers and Outriders uh, and then try that because then you'll at least have two pretty uh, strong units with Vicious. Um, and that could just be your second list in case you're facing Night's Watch, because I feel like Night's Watch might give Targaryen, uh, you know, kind of some trouble until they get some more units and tools. So uh, just keep that in mind uh, when you're, you know, you're you're, uh, facing Night's Watch. So um, I think, let's see, anything else we have on the list? Uh, Really just, uh, I guess, how Night's Watch stack up uh, in a tournament scene, and I think this one uh, is more more so kind of self-explanatory. I think before these couple of changes, when you know Sworn Brothers got increased and um, and so did Bowen, it really changed the dynamic of the army because most lists had like three Sworn Brothers and Bowen, so that that one singular list increased by four points basically turning a five unit list into a you know a four unit list unless you're going to run conscripts um so it's definitely uh now with these new changes they have so many more tools at their disposal and i think uh you're going to see a lot more uh nice watch players who are contemplating putting you know the army on the shelf in favor for maybe another army that they're already playing uh, and now kind of bringing them back off the shelves now that they have a lot more uh, tools and things that are uh, more cost-effective. What about you, Brett? Are you bringing uh, anything other than uh, John? Yes, I'm bringing something other than John. I was just kidding. It was troll bait. I'm trying to throw everybody off guard. No, my uh, my secondary <laughs> list is actually an, it's, it's an Oppo list. So um, and also at the uh, escalation, I'll be bringing Oppo. So more often than not, I'll be playing without John. And 
I'm picking up free folk for the team event uh, as of now, depending on what happens with this update. So, um, no, I think I think Nightwatch is still pretty competitive. They're still pretty good, but um, having played them in uh, 1.4 when the Swarm Brothers were six points and uh, you know Varus was still what he was, I ran that Varus Amon. Played men, double veterans with one Sworn Brothers list, and Blech. it was nice to win. Uh, I I think in that version with Jon Snow, I went close to thirty and zero. So That's I'm really disgusting. glad that they changed them. Yeah, it's it's much harder to win now. So I'm glad that they yourself. did make those changes. But uh, they're still competitive. It's just a lot harder. So um, it's like it should be. Exactly. Yeah, you have to think. Uh, I I get nervous. I I sweat. Um, unfortunately, I don't want to say the word easy mode, but uh, Night Watch really kind of was an easy button uh, in 1.4. Just so much healing, so much value out of the Sworn Brothers for six points. Uh, like you had mentioned, uh, Dave, when they would fail a panic test with the veterans, it was like one guy, maybe two, and so they didn't care about vicious. But um, it's definitely a lot harder now and. I think they've done a really good job of reining everything in and making everything balanced. Um, we've seen some different houses in the top five, and uh, they're in Indy for the primers and some of the local events. And I know Bolton's won the Las Vegas Open. You've got Ron oh, winning on the yeah, I promise. You got Ron winning on the East Coast. You got Starks winning. Uh, you guys had Baratheons win. So it's uh, it could be a no, game win. There's Stephicon. a difference. There's a difference. It was Dave winning, not Baratheons. That's true. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know what? Uh, there's only one Brathian player right now. I'll I'll play my Brathians today and you know. Of course, you know. I have one Brathian player? No, I was or yeah, you were you were the one Brathian player and I'm like, you know what, since there's only one, you know, I like to if it's a local tournament, I don't I try not to bring my Starks because that's like my, you know, Adepticon or big tournaments, uh army so like was it the last one i brought night's watch the one before that i believe was lannisters this one i was debating neutrals or Brathians, but there was already i think two or so neutral players and i'm just like i'll play bathrooms Brathians, just to kind of make the you know it more diverse but had i known there was going to be no uh free folk uh i probably would have brought free folk to be honest but Way to go, um, Chris. It's just one of those. Yeah. Chris, you know, talks a big game with his free folk, but he played Targaryens last <laughs> tournament. <laughs> <laughs> well, if people listen to, to Misha Rumsum's, uh they would realize that the power of the free folk, the free folk give me nightmares. Um, yeah, they're terrifying. De- they're so scary right now. Yeah, and I know, Chris, you picked them up and played them on screen. Oh, yeah. Even your first game, dude, your first game, no experience. <laughs> you don't know any synergy with the deck. You don't know how to deploy, and you damn near pull it off against a seasoned player. So that's how Yeah, and a, and a very strong Stark list. And I knew from that moment on, I was like, oh, my gosh, this faction is not only fun to play, but the amount of tools that they have is just absurd. Just bonkers. Yeah. 
it's pretty bonkers, man. Sorry. I think it's it has to dumb. be that way, though. Uh, just I know it's off topic, but real quick, I think free folk have to have a lot more tools than everyone because of their mm-hmm. lack of neutrals. So they have to have more options. They have to be better options, or else in the long run they're going to be a very inferior faction. Yeah, no doubt. That's a very good point. Fair point. But I think, well, that's I why think I think the they also point. don't mind giving them the three point uh, NCUs. You know, because not only are they a horde faction, so you want to make their NCUs a bit cheaper, but they won't have the option for, you know, Walder, Varys, uh, Peter, you know, a lot of these still attached. I don't know. I don't know. I think Varys has his place. (laughs) I mean, Mance is kind of like like Walder, though. Uh, it's not super hard to get those three tokens out and shut the unit's abilities off with the uh, champion of Steyr, so. But, Until you, know. you uh, Catlin the money bag and you say, ha, ah, he's not doing anything. <laughs> we don't all have Catlin, Dave. Stupid Stark player. Oh, but we do. She's a neutral. <laughs> I, People just I never realize I never even used Catlin, to be honest with you. Dave only uses Catlin's her. Catlin's my go-to. Catlin She's lover. good. I, I'm a budget. I, I, I put as many points as I can on the board, not on the NCU board. I'm I'm such a budget NCU Stark player. What budget? See, I, I run her. <laughs> I run her Three for the, the token healing. That's one. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so you, uh, I think you want to announce the well, yeah. winner from left. Uh, I would, but I can't remember his name. That's what? Terrible. You shouldn't admit that. <laughs> no, you don't. Well, I can admit it. I can admit it because I've already given him his prize. <laughs> so I apologize oh. if you are listening. I am very, very, very bad with names. Um, uh, Scott, Nelson, I didn't even. I, got I couldn't remember uh, Justin's name for like you know until like last week. What the hell? Scott. Who's we appreciate the like, Scott. Scott was the winner. Scott Nudson. Okay, I got your back, Dave. Yeah, Scott. But uh, yes, congratulations to Scott. Uh, he got his uh, unit box uh, Saturday at our tournament because he is a um, somewhat local player. Uh, I think he lives about like an hour away um, from where we play. And he was just happened to be in the area and was kind enough to swing by to say hi instead of um, having us ship it to him. So I appreciate that, Scott. Uh, I hope to see you around a bit more. Um, but, yes, congratulations to you. Uh, for everyone listening, we will be doing another raffle at uh, 250 likes, and we're just going to keep doing raffles. So just keep uh, sharing out the channel, and the more likes we get, the more raffles we can do. Uh, and, you know, we definitely don't mind giving away stuff to the community because you guys are awesome. But, uh, yeah, I think we're going to kind of wrap it up there. Um, uh, Chris, is there any shout-outs you wanted to give or uh, any plugs you wanted to put in? Uh, I mean, as always, watch us uh, on Thursday nights at uh, 7.30 p.m. EST on uh, Mythico Studios' Twitch page. Uh, we try to run once a week. Sometimes it's just tough to schedule, and we can't always do week. But we try to do every single week. Um, yeah. Oh, and if you don't mind, we do have our uh, Mythicos GT just went live. Our website just went live. It's the biggest tournament that we do. 
Um, it's in July, so it's quite a ways off, but we are trying to get to 60 competitors to get uh, official prize support from uh, the big boys upstairs. So if you guys are in the East Coast area or you want to make a trip out, please check out the uh, the website. You can just go to mythicos.com um, and then check out the Triumph page. It's a huge, huge tournament. We're adding Ice and Fire this year, so I'm super excited about that. That just got announced today, so. Thanks for having Sounds me, guys. Like a good trip to me. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Uh, what the state state is that one in? Oh, it's uh, it's New Jersey. New Jersey. All right, awesome. Yeah, we're like 45 maybe minutes I'll, an hour away from the city. Maybe I'll have to take a vacation because uh, I graduate medic class uh, end of June, so I'll be yeah. just out of class. So you so love to have all you guys um, there. Yeah, we'll just all fly out there, you know, right? <laughs> Uh, if you're paying for it, <laughs> it's a possibility. A small council vacation. I'm not horribly opposed to the so, idea if it works out. I, do, I definitely wouldn't mind driving back uh, when I played the card game I used to play. Uh, me and our my group of friends that uh, played it. I mean, we drove all over the country. We drove out to Colorado, um, down near uh, Georgia, everywhere. Like it, it was always a blast. So. Um, anyone wants a carpool, just uh, hit me up. I'm always down for it as long as I'm free. Um, but anyways, so uh, thank you all again for uh, tuning in. Uh, thank you, Chris. Um, I know Ron, he had to uh, he had to leave us a little early. He had uh, some prior engagements. Um, so if you're listening uh, to the recording or, Chris, you want to say it to him, thank you for coming on. Um, thank you for your insights uh, for Night's Watch. Those out there that are worried about Night's Watch, don't be. Um, I think Starks definitely uh, are better. Of course they are. Starks are broken. So, eh. <laughs> eh. They're okay. They're all right. They're always going to be broken. Think... Even if they're the worst faction in the game, they're always going to be I know. Be they they could be the seventh best, and they'll still be the worst <laughs> the best. I don't know. I will never stop. So, Thank you all for tuning in. Please remember to share the show out. Uh, we're still pretty new. We've only, uh, this is our eighth episode. Uh, so the more uh, this is shared out, uh, the more people will know about it. Um, you know, please just uh, take a, you know, a second to, you know, share it uh, in any group uh, that you're in. Um, give a like on our page. Uh, we are... You know, somewhere in the future, I don't know when, uh, we'll do a Patreon for those that want to help out even further. But for now, if if you definitely are one of those people that want to help out in that way, just uh, for now, just share out the the show. Um, and uh, we'll be on next week um, talking about another topic. Uh, probably in a few days here, I will... Uh, send out that link uh, to let you know what the topic is. We kind of play it. We have a list, but we kind of play it by ear based on, you know, if there's anything big that happens. Uh, that way we're not kind of committed to something uh, if we need to swap it up. But in a few days, you'll you'll know that topic. So, again, thank you so much for all tuning in. And this is the Small Council, and it is dismissed. <laughs>